0: Welcome to your number one source of information on women's pelvic health. On this podcast, you will hear from medical experts, pelvic health professionals, holistic healers, and patients themselves in order to learn and understand everything there is to know about regaining and maintaining your pelvic health and becoming your own best advocate for your pelvic floor, the most vital part of our bodies as women. All of the conversations are intimate, raw, and unedited in order to deliver the most authentic information possible. I'm here today with Molly. She is a comedian who had vaginismus and turned her entire experience into a comedy show. So you are going to share with us this whole process. Yeah. Do you want to like give a little intro to yourself so I don't totally <laughs> mess it up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, when I turned 28, mm-hmm. uh, I had never had an orgasm. So and, and this, this is, is like the premise of the comedy show, right? Yeah. So then I was just kind of so frustrated, and I wrote it into a show called Molly Brenner is not coming, and it was kind of the story of kind of my whole like sexual upbringing, including like discovering I had vaginismus and dealing with that. Should we do and like then, a two,
0: well not like, like a two second thing? What is vaginismus? Just in case no one knows what it is, you want to say? Oh yes. Yeah. So, Even though I assume most people listening do, but.
1: Yeah, and this is, like, my definition. This is not the... No, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone has their
0: own definition, so yeah,
1: The way that it felt to me is that it felt like my body was afraid of penetration. Right. Like, it felt... Yeah, it felt like a fear of, like, something going inside my vagina. But, yeah, the way I understand it is that it's, like, a spasm of the vaginal muscles. So So
0: penetration is not very much possible.
1: Right. Yeah, like, I could not... anything in And also like the idea of it was terrible to me. Right. Like I hated the idea of something going inside my vagina. Okay, so, backtrack, how did this all start? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, I wrote Molly Brenner is Not Coming, Mm -hmm. and I performed that for about a year I think, and that was like an amazing experience, and um, just like got, like I'd done a lot of processing, but it kind of like got me processing even more like, my thoughts and feelings about sex, and, like, why I hadn't had an orgasm. And then I had an orgasm. <laughs> and, yeah, high five. <laughs> and so now I have a new show that's called I'm Coming, uh-huh. and it's kind of, like, a sequel to Molly Brenner is Not Coming, mm-hmm. and just, like, dives even deeper to, um, like, things like sexual fantasies and kind of processing, like, shame that I had around fantasies and around my sexuality and... Oh, and, like, processing, like, the vaginismus a little bit more, too, even.
0: So I want to talk a lot about the comedy show, but I think we should first start with how you realized that you had vaginismus and kind of how you, like, found yourself to finally have a diagnosis that you realized was a treatable condition. hmm
1: Yeah. So I was 22, I mm-hmm. think. And I had had like I was kind of a late bloomer in general sexually, mm-hmm. but I had I was starting to have some sexual experiences like in my early twenties, and I was just like never like want anyone to go anywhere near my vagina, but I kind of like kept thinking that would go away that I would like get really aroused and then be like okay now right. it's time like but it just like was going on for so long, and then I then I went to the doctor. And she was like, okay, you, you need to have a pap smear. And I was like, okay. And then, and she just couldn't do it. Like, I was just so flinching away. And she was being, she was really harsh. To, like, she wasn't very, like, kind about it. She mm-hmm. was like, something's not right. She was like, go to the gynecologist. Like, this should be working. <laughs> and that was when, like, when the doctor said something about it, I was like, oh, maybe this... Maybe this really isn't normal. And then I went to the gynecologist, and she was like, I think this is vaginismus. But the first
0: gynecologist that you went to told you that this was vaginismus? I feel like that's rare, because a lot of gynecologists kind of dismiss these things. They're like, oh, you can relax, you can...
1: Yeah, well, my my general... What's the right word? My... My um
0: Yeah. Like your main, my doctor. Yeah, my your PCP. main doctor. Yeah, my right. main Yeah.
1: My PCV. she was very dismissive. Like she right. or she was just kind of like, relax. Like and right. I was not relaxing. And then the first, then she referred me to a gynecologist who was actually really great. Uh-huh. And um and she the first time I went to her she was like, Yeah, I think you imagine interesting. This. Um and so then she told me to try Dilators mm-hmm. and physical. Did you go to pelvic floor physical therapy? I never did the physical therapy. Uh-huh. I thought about it.
0: And the dilators I, solved the problem.
1: So I bought. I ordered the dilators online. Right. Well, first I have to say it was really, it was really amazing. Like hearing that I had a term, like mm-hmm. getting diagnosed with something, like that was a big relief because I always felt like I was just like, how are people using tampons? Like, right. And then like. And then realizing I had a condition was a kind of a relief. And
0: to know me. that there was something you could do. Yeah, there it. was a
1: treatment right. for it. Yeah. But, like, I try to go back to, like, mm-hmm. the experience of being, like, that moment. Right. Or being it. Because I was still, like, I still so had vaginismus, and I was, I really didn't want to deal with it. And, um. But so, you but felt I, relief.
0: I've only been getting the diagnosis, yeah.
1: but I, like, it was a really long, it, like, took several years yeah. to actually treat it, um, so I ordered the dilators, and I, like, kind of tried to put one in, but I just, like, couldn't even do it, right. and, like, it was just horrible, And and then I, like, I think I put them under my bed for, like, a long time, like, months and months, and then finally I was, like. Like, whenever I would start dating someone, and then I would be like, okay, it's time to use these things. And I'd be like, <laughs> then it was still really hard. And then, like, then we'd stop dating. I'd be like, okay, like, bought another little while without doing with this. Back the bed. Yeah, back under the bed. <laughs> so it was a really long time. And then finally, I was like, okay, clearly I can't do this on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I went back to the gynecologist and was like, can you help me get started on these? And so she was like, okay, we're going to put the first dilator in. And I think, like, two nurses had to hold my hands. Because like, it was crying. painful. Yeah, just I And you were really, scared. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was really scared. I really didn't want to do it. Like, at that time, the thought of something going in my vagina was, like, horrific. Right. So, but I got the first one in. And then I think I, like, kind of did them on my own for a little bit. But, like, they went back under the bed for a while. And then it was, like, when I finally started dating someone more seriously... That was the impetus to like Addressing. actually
0: finish using them. So you use them. I use them, and it was a
1: success. It was a success. Uh huh. But sex, like, and I talk about this in the show. Is like, I think I thought that when I dealt with the vaginismus, then like I'd be able to have sex, and then that would be great. But I still like. But then I like ha- hadn't really. um figured out how to make sex enjoyable for Mm -hmm. me. And so like, I still had a lot of like painful sex, even after I technically treated the vaginismus.
0: And you probably also had a lot of mental, I'm going to use the word trauma. From all this experience, you, like the concept of pleasure Mm -hmm. was so foreign. The sexual pleasure was so foreign because you had lived for so many years unfamiliar with sexual pleasure that like it's not something that oh you can just treat vaginismus and then all of a sudden sex is great and pleasure is back in your life and like it's a process
1: yeah and like at that point and I, I think
0: s- that's where the whole orgasm yeah comes into play
1: yeah like I I was so focused on just being able to like get a penis in my vagina right. <laughs> I didn't think about like how do I make this feel good? Like, what do I want? Like, what turns me on? Like, I don't, I still think at that point I hadn't even masturbated. Right. Like, like, yeah, I had vaginismus and I also like, didn't really like touching my clitoris. Like that, it was like, I just, that whole area, like it was was not so, pleasurable. Yeah. yeah. And that I think, I've since talked to other people who were like, oh yeah, I, I didn't like touching my clitoris or I still don't or whatever. And for me, I think that is connected to the vaginismus that like, I've just always had this extreme discomfort mm-hmm. around that whole area. So how did you change your perspective? Well, <laughs> I ended up having my first orgasm with indirect clitoral contact.
0: Right, because I, I heard that on the other on the How Come podcast. Yeah. yeah
1: and shout out. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> um, and th- but it took me so long to like trust my body right. and realize the like, because I would never like it when someone would touch my clitoris directly and I didn't like it when I would do it right but I thought I was supposed to like that and finally I figured out I cracked the code and figured out that like there needs to be
0: something yeah Yeah. okay so how did you turn this all into a comedy show or like how did you decide that you wanted to speak openly about Mm -hmm. all this
1: experience and and were you a comedian before like Mm -hmm. during the process of this Yeah, I was, I've been a comedian for, you know, years, like at least five years now. Um, But I, I had started in improv and then some stand-up and then um, had, you know, gotten into a lot of different mediums, but I never really, like, made a bigger, I never made, like, a bigger Mm -hmm. project. And while I was doing stand-up, I always, like, wanted, I felt this pull to write about how I'd never had an orgasm. Like, it just felt like this thing that I wanted To talk about. Did you know that a lot of women could relate to this when you were thinking about this? Or you thought it was yeah. Yeah, looking back, I'm like, why didn't I like go on the internet? Or like I I think I did, but like I think there was a huge avoidance factor to all of this that That took like years and years to unravel. Like, I could have met someone else who had vaginismus, but I like didn't want to deal with it. Like I just like I I wanted it to be like cured in a moment. And but I, I would talk about how I never had an orgasm, and like, it took a really long time to meet other people who hadn't.
0: Or like other people who would admit it.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know maybe some people huh. kept it under. Right. Which I get. You yeah. don't have to share. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like felt this pull to like write about to talk about it, and make comedy about it. But like, I was really scared. I thought it was like too personal. Um... And then eventually I just kind of was, like, I felt like I really hadn't, like, I really hadn't, like, fully found my voice as a comedian or something. And I reached this point where I was just, like, I'm just going to make this. Um, and and then it was, like, the most gratifying thing I'd ever done. And so then I wanted to really, I was, like, oh, I really want to continue the life of this show. So you, produce, like, wrote and produced the whole show? yeah. And you,
0: like, how, how did you decide, like, what you were going to share, what you weren't going to share, like, what you would be comfortable talking to a complete audience of strangers Mm -hmm.
1: about? Well, you know, it's funny you ask that. I actually started as not such a personal show. I thought it, because I had started doing characters. Right. And I thought it was going to be, like, kind of a best of of my characters, like, focused on this theme, but kind of like with a few stories in between and just to like link the characters together. Mm -hmm. And then when I first showed it to a director, she was like, you need to fill in some holes. (laughs) She was like, I have a lot of questions. And so then it became much more about like telling this whole story of like, like the first show was like, these are all the steps that led to me not coming, because I had all these stories from my childhood of, like, being interested in sex, and learning about sex, and, like, being confused by sex, that I would always tell my friends, and, like, had such a great time telling them, and I thought they were really funny, so it kind of started with those stories, Mm -hmm. and then when the show started coming together, it became clear that, like, it needed to be even more personal, felt like, tell a full story. But, yeah, in terms of stuff I... I kind of, like, go with my gut on, like, do I include that? I'm kind of, like, does that need... Like, am I comfortable sharing that? And, like, does it need to be told? But sometimes I will have moments where I'm, like, oh, God, don't... <laughs> it like, I can't believe I said that in front of the audience. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but how... So how is it perceived by the
0: audience and also by fellow comedians?
1: Mm-hmm. I think... Well, I've gotten, like, such a positive reaction right. to it. I've never had anyone... Fortunately, I've yeah. never had anyone be like, um, "Why?" Yeah, like that's shameful that
0: you're talking about that, or, or and anything. people want to hear
1: yeah. conversations
0: about these topics, and it's topics that people don't talk about. So, like when yeah. someone has the courage to talk about it, I feel like
1: people would be really perceptive to it. Yeah, I feel like people respect the honesty mm-hmm. of it, and like the best thing is when people is when people can relate, right? Like other people with vaginismus or people who haven't had an orgasm or. Had- difficulty coming, um, like, those are the best moments when someone's, like, like, I have that, too, or, like, thank you for talking about that, um, so there's definitely been a lot of that reaction, um, and I think, like, I mean, obviously, it's my story, Mm -hmm. but, like, I think they're, I think, like, everyone can relate to, like, some part of it. 100%. Yeah. What... What do you think made you the most comfortable,
0: or, like, what were a few things that made you comfortable enough to talk about this in front of such a public audience?
1: Yeah. Because that's, that's not easy question. to do. I think, like, I'm trying to remember back to when I mm-hmm. first wrote it. And I think, like, it was always just this, like, it, like, this creative intuition. It's just, like, clearly, like... I wanted to write this show, right. and I have to, because I was really nervous before I first did it. I was, understand. I also like I'm kind of like a nervous Nelly, um, but so I was like dying before the first show, and I was like, oh man, this is too personal. Um, which is funny, because like comedian, many people have shared very personal right. stuff publicly, um, but I was just like, this is too much. But it would always come back to, like, clearly I wanted to write this. Like, clearly I want to talk about it. Like, your gut was telling you that this
0: was something you're meant to be doing. Yeah.
1: Like, and it really just came down to that, I Uh think. Like, just not having had an orgasm for so long felt like this just, like, defining part of my life. Like, especially, like, as every year passed and it wouldn't happen and I would get more frustrated about it. it. Like, every New Year's I would, like look to the sky and be like please let me come this year like it was a, it was always just this like thing in your mind yeah
0: yeah do you think that the having this comedy show and talking so openly about these experiences have enabled you in an indirect way to like have better sex and like heal the mental component of like anxiety around like, sex and not having an orgasm and vaginismus, like, mm-hmm. has talking about it so openly allowed you to have a better, like, sexual experience, like, sexual life and sexual experiences?
1: I think, well, I think some of it is, like, always a work in progress. Right. Um, but, uh, especially, like, sex with other people. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, like, that's just complicated. But, always. Um, yeah. But definitely, like, I... I think I truly believe and maybe I'm trying to make it more poetic than it is, uh-huh. but I do believe that like writing my original show about how I hadn't come, like helped me come. Like probably, because yeah. there's some sort of like very therapeutic aspect to that. Yeah. And like it was interesting cuz like when I first put up the show, it was like to this day it was like the best moment in my mm-hmm. comedy career. Like it just felt so good. And I was so excited about it. And then, like, after the high of the show passed, I was, like, more frustrated than ever that I had not come. Mm-hmm. I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> was just like, <laughs> I, like, ate just this huge rage, like, set in about it. And I was just like, I'm so ready to come. And, like, and um, that, I think, was, like, a new, like, I reached a new level of frustration about it that helped, I think, how
0: me so? Then too. how did you
1: finally get <laughs> so? Then, and so, and I talk about this in the new show that uh-huh. like the, the Molly Brenner's not coming show like really got me talking to like a lot of people mm-hmm. about how I hadn't come, and people would like give me all these tips and stuff. And so one woman was like, "Well, like weed really helped me," um, and I have never liked weed but it kind of like stayed in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. And so eventually I tried this like different form of weed called a weed mint, Mm -hmm. Um, and that- Wait, what is this weed mint? It's like a, it's a weed mint. Um, I actually think I have
0: those. Oh, you have them? Yeah, I think I bought them in Colorado when I was there. Yeah,
1: I get them from Colorado. they're really good. (laughs) Yeah, strongly recommend, (laughs) five stars for weed mints. No, it was just like this subtler, like more body high that I think helped a lot. And it was like, it's not just. It's not like. Wait. So, did oh. you have your
0: first orgasm when you had this weed? Mix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So
1: that's what like finally. That's really interesting. Helped. Yeah, and it, like it's not just because I got high. Right. Like, I think it's because like the show got me processing it a lot. Like I had done. There had been all these like steps in the road, and then. Are I they came, little like, green diamond shaped ones? They're not diamond shaped, oh. but they're little and green. Yeah. Oh. I wonder if we able the same ones. I'll take a look at yours. <laughs> we can compare, read okay. Um But yeah, it was like I really like had done so much, and like I was seeing a therapist and like kind of processing it there. I like, dealt with the vaginismus, and I was really kind of like had unpacked a lot, like a lot of the shame that I had, and then I think. But like the problem that had developed was that like. I Was so frustrated about it, so when I would try to masturbate, I would just be like, This is never gonna happen. Like, it was just you like, couldn't relax, yeah, it couldn't just relax yeah. and be like, and have a good time, enjoy and it. so that's what the weed really helped with. Was like, That's amazing, yeah. Though. And then,
0: do people come up to you after the show and say that they can relate and like share their stories with you?
1: Yeah, a, a like, I assume you like,
0: connected with a lot of
1: people, yeah, I have, and like. My favorite is when people... Sometimes people will come up and just, like, whisper something. Because, <laughs> like, they don't want to just be like, I imagine this miss too! Right. But sometimes they'll be like, I have that too. God, um, that's so funny. And that's really nice because, like, it always reminds me that... Because I am pretty comfortable speaking publicly about a lot of this stuff. I mean, I haven't put, like, every thought I've ever had into the show, but I am pretty comfortable. And it kind of reminds me that, like, not everybody is comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's when it's nice to have someone else who is. And I hope that, like, my hope is always that, like, there's someone out there in the audience who's, like... Resonating. Yeah, Yeah. who is resonating with
0: it. Do you think most of the audience is... Like, I assume some of the audience are people who are coming to, like, hear your story because they can relate, but then is there also percentage of the audience that is just coming to see
1: you and it's coming to a comedy show? Yeah, I think so. Like, Uh it, and, and like, my hope, like, my goal is always for it to be, like, a good show for both of those types of people, like, for people who just want to, like, sit back and laugh and watch Mm -hmm. a show and people who, like, really are there for, like, the topics in the show. Um, So, yeah, I think both, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: And have you met a lot of other, like, I know that you've been on other podcasts talking about this. But I assume that you've, like, really realized after putting so much, like, time and work and really, like, focusing on this topic in specific, like, how many other women have these same issues and how little it's talked about. Yeah. Like, that's always so interesting to me. And I realize it more and more. And I was like, this podcast continues to grow. I just, every day, I feel like I'm hearing a new story about someone who has some issue in the same like, pelvic health yeah, world,
1: and no one talks about it. Yeah, and that has been, like, one of my favorite things about doing this show, is that it's just, like, it had... And I don't know why I didn't... I guess it was the avoidance thing, like, why I didn't seek it out more before. But, like, it is so amazing when you connect with someone who, like, shares your experience. Like, Mm. because I felt especially with the vaginismus, like I just felt so alone right. in my vaginismus. Like I and even with the orgasm thing for a while too that I couldn't come, like I felt like I was the only the person, person on the planet yeah. with those two issues. Which is so crazy cuz like it's not like I grew up like before the internet existed. Right. Like and so it's really strange for me looking back that I cuz I know I felt completely alone, but in the process of like yeah, being on podcasts and meeting people and doing the show, like, I have met people where I feel like we have, like, copied and pasted stories, and I'm just like, oh my god, like, it's so nice when you meet someone who has the same experience,
0: yeah. And people reach out to me through the podcast, and they're like, wow, like, they actually say that they love hearing, because a lot of people come on and share their personal stories, and... They say how helpful it is and interesting mm-hmm. it is for them to hear that someone else is experiencing the same thing, maybe if it's not the same, like something very similar to what they're going through, because mm-hmm. there's no other like way now with social media and like podcasts are growing and people are talking about these things, but prior to like this kind of new generation of media, there was no way... I mean, comedy is also amazing, but there's no way to, like, share stories.
1: hmm Yeah. Yeah, and we were talking about this, mm-hmm. like, that I've now found all these vaginismus support groups and right. online forums and stuff that I was not in when I was really dealing with the condition. And I'm just like, this is am- amazing. Also, it is the one downside is that right. if you're really like in the thick of it, I, I don't think it's good to see like story it. like it's like when you think something when you think you have a health condition and you go on WebMD and you're the like and you're like, I'm gonna die. And like the worst. there is you do have to be careful about like what you're Googling. Yeah, what you're Googling and For like sure. and not everyone's experience is gonna be yours and so like if I was deep in my vaginismus, I probably wouldn't want to see someone who's, like, has, like, a 17-year sob story. It's like, is that going to be me? Right, yeah. Well, I and we said this before, but
0: some people write in the groups, they're like, in all of the different, like, Facebook support groups, like, I have to get out of these groups because yeah. sometimes it's just too much. And you don't even, when you realize when people are talking about this, part of you is like, wow, there's a whole community of people that are going through something so similar to me. And then the other part of you is like, I don't even want to listen Mm -hmm. or talk or hear about this because it's going to make me so much more depressed. Yeah. So it's like how do you find the balance between feeling, like, good about connecting with people who share an experience with you but then also stopping when you know that it's too much information and it's going to kind of have the reverse effect.
1: Yeah, and it's, like, it can be tough to really, like... That's why the comedy show is amazing
0: because it... (laughs) Totally shifts. It's not, like, a support group. It's not something serious. It's not people... You're turning a serious problem into a really lighthearted, humorous
1: media. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. I hope, like, for me, it was very cathartic to, like... Yeah. Like, that is something... I think this is why I'm a comedian. Is like, right. when I make a joke about one of my anxieties, it's, like, I, like, release it into the world. Like, it right. feels really good even like even like tweeting about something that has like plagued me my entire life like it feels good like yeah, it's a release yeah it feels like a release and like it, so that for me mm-hmm. was really good about like making jokes about all of the stuff like that just, it felt like I like released it into the world
0: it's really interesting I'm going to the comedy show tonight
1: I'm so excited I'm excited too
0: <laughs> wait how often do you do this show
1: I do it um, so I'm doing like a short run right. right now in New York, and then I'm gonna be kind of like touring it around a little bit outside of New York. so I I think I did the show maybe ten times last year mm-hmm. and I'll do it be doing it more this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so or will the the oncoming version is pretty new? So this is kind of like the first run of this show. Can I ask you. A weird question. Do you ever get, like,
0: sick of talking about it? Like, are you ever, like, <laughs> I can't talk about this anymore? <laughs> That's a good question. I... Now now I'm going to put those thoughts in your head so going to be like, I can't like that. So you're going to be like,
1: you know what? I don't want really to do the show anymore. I <laughs> do no,
0: no. But I'm just curious because even for me, sometimes I talk about this stuff yeah. so much. So I'm just curious how you feel because sometimes it's like,
1: oh, my God, I'm like, I can't. But... Yeah, I mean, definitely sometimes. Especially because, huh. like, it's tough because, like, I'm a comedian, right? Like, but also, like, I'm really passionate about these topics, and, like, and, but sometimes I'm, like, you know, sometimes I just want to, like, tell jokes that mm-hmm. aren't that important, or, like, <laughs> aren't about... Or are so serious. Yeah, yeah, and, like, you can do both, but, yeah, so, yeah, sometimes I do get sick of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. also,
0: you're doing it, in, like, you're, it's a comedy show, so it's not... Mm-hmm. Like, you're having a very serious conversation about this all day that it gets to the point where you can't do it anymore. Like,
1: Right. It's lighthearted. Right. Also, like, the thing about this show that makes it, like, my favorite mm-hmm. creative project is that I am always kind of adding to it. Like, mm-hmm. when I'm thinking about something new, like, I think one of the biggest additions has been the stuff about, like, shame about my fantasies and that, and kind of just arousal and, like, shame there. And so that was something that was like a new topic that I added to it. So that's that's what I was about to ask: is
0: that as like as you do more shows and you go further throughout your life, like do you add more sexual experiences that you continue to have? Like do you add those stories into the show? I well, I try to never like
1: write about someone without being, like I would never present someone you're dating and be like, oh, you have this whole comedy show. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it really does kind of like stop at the first orgasm mm-hmm. and it, it really is pretty focused on me mm-hmm. um but I will like add like topics to it that I like I want it to be kind of like my like I really think one thing that's just like one of my biggest passions is like in life is just like pleasure and especially like pleasure for women and how like women I just feel like pleasure for women is very complicated mm-hmm. and often, like, women end up, like, being denied or denying themselves pleasure. And so I've kind of expanded the show to be... to That's interesting. ...cover all of
0: that. Yeah. Can you give us, like, a quick synopsis of what you talk about in that aspect?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, like, it is So It's all about, like, my journey to an orgasm and, like, having vaginismus along the way. But, like, something else I go into is kind of, like how one of the ways I avoided dealing with all of this stuff was, like, by being really obsessed with food. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing that's kind of non-sexual in Mm -hmm. the show, but, like, for me, like, I went... I spent a lot of my life being, like, very obsessed with food, like, just thinking about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, but I, like, didn't want to eat too much, and I would kind of, like, like... Like, I didn't have an eating disorder, but I just, like, was very, like... I don't know what the right word is. It was like, it kind of like consumed your, it still consumed, it consumed your head. thoughts, yeah. yeah. Right. And it was like, um, like, I'm having trouble articulating this mm-hmm. now, but it's like, that I felt like I couldn't eat too much, I couldn't like have sex in the way I wanted, like I wasn't coming, like, right. it was just like all these forms of pleasure that were like, felt out of reach to me. So that kind of like...
0: And yeah. then in, But in the show, what I'm just curious, like, the way that you talk about how women's pleasure is complicated.
1: hmm
0: I think... Like, for those of everyone listening who's not going to be at the show tonight, I yeah. hear what you have <laughs> to say. Like, because I just think that's such an interesting topic, and especially for people who have pelvic pain or vaginismus mm-hmm. or any sort of pelvic health issues, like, pleasure is kind of at some point in their life not a thing but it also for anyone in general any woman in general like pleasure is still complicated for women mm-hmm. and sex is different for women than it is for men so mm-hmm. in that sense like what what do you how do you like tie that into the show
1: yeah I think like like in so I mean I tried to I try to focus the show like on my own experience right I only like know my own experience but like for me, it was like, I couldn't figure out how to come, mm-hmm. and like it is it's more complicated for women to figure I out I mean, do you talk about come. how you figured it out? Yeah, oh. like, which was like figuring out I don't like clitoral contact, like right. I have to like accept what arouses me, like blah blah. blah. and so like coming is often complicated and mm-hmm. hard for women. like sex with a partner like can be like we talk about like the pleasure gap and how often, like, especially in heterosexual sex, it's like the guy's coming, the woman's not and like that was that very a huge much like yeah, yeah, like that was very true for my experience. It was like the guy would come and I would not. Right. And that was like super frustrating. And I think most women can relate to that. Yeah, like that just like sucks. Like uh-huh. <laughs> having sex and like always not coming, like that sucks and that felt yeah. And that's common. So, yeah, that's very common. And then like the food thing, like, Mm -hmm. for, like, my experience of that was that, like, I wasn't getting pleasure in my life, and so I, like, really focused in on food, like, it just became, like, the focal point, but also, like, we have a lot of pressure as women to, like, not gain weight, not eat too much, and, like, and so I had all these ideas about, like, how much I should eat, and, like, and so, like, Food, like, I, so I wasn't, like, getting pleasure from food. It became this, like, very, like, strange thing in my life that was, like, I wanted it, but I felt like I couldn't have it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, um, uh, I lost my train of thought. But, yeah, it was, like, sex, food, like, and then, like, it was just, like, all these forms of pleasure were just, like, Take out of way. reach to me. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so you were in therapy to deal with all of these things. I have a question, because I've had a bunch of sex therapists on the show, and I don't know if you were in sex therapy in specific or just therapy in general, but a lot of sex therapists have said on the podcast that um, if you can't have vaginal penetration, it's really important to explore other ways that you can have pleasure with a partner
1: mm-hmm. and...
0: So, I'm just curious if like that was ever something that you were told or that you went through, or like how you felt about that whole thing, because I also think that even though you're someone may be told that, like you still want to be able to have mm-hmm. penetration if you're a
1: female dating a man, yeah, well, that's something else that I think was really complicated for me is like as women, we often like want to please others, like, and I think, like, that made my sex life really complicated, is that, like, I could, like, going back, I wish I could have just been, like, I'm gonna get mine, like, like, but I just couldn't, do, like, it was so important to me that, like, the other person, like, was... leave the interaction being, like, I am satisfied, and, like, and so I couldn't, I was so bad at, like, speaking up for what I wanted, or even saying, like, I don't know what I want, and, like, we need to figure it out, like, and I was just so bad at communicating about it, and, like, I think it was the avoidance thing, too, was, like, I didn't, I was not ready to deal with it. How did you learn to become better at communicating? That's, like, the hardest thing to do. Yeah, I think it's still a work in progress. always is. (laughs) But, like... (laughs) Just, like, over the many years. Yeah, like, and becoming more really, comfortable. Yeah, like and, like, unpacking, like, what is going on. And, like, also I just don't think I realized for a really long time, like, the full spectrum of human sexuality. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I think I just thought, like, oh, like, I, I, I don't think I consciously understood that I thought this. But I think that deep in my mind I thought, like, oh, you make out, and then, like, you take your clothes off, and then, like, you have penetrative sex, and, like... And that's it. Yeah, that's it. And, like, it's funny, because, like, I went to... Like, I was raised in a very, like, liberal way. I went to a liberal school. Like, nothing about my upbringing should have made me so, like, Mm -hmm. narrow-minded about sex, but I think that that did, like, get in my brain and affect me in ways that I, like, didn't understand... Um, and it took a really long time to be like, no, people are into a lot of stuff, and like, <laughs> and you just have to figure out what works for you, and like, yeah. And I think
0: also a big part of it is that, like, I was raised in a very liberal like, town and with a very liberal, liberal family, but at the same time, it's still not something that you're comfortable talking about when you're younger, unless. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people are, but I think generally you're not. So I think it takes time and it takes until you become older in Mm. order to be comfortable talking about it. And then, you know, you realize like your friends also want to talk about this. This is something that is like an issue and is something that a lot of people have to deal with and isn't necessarily such a bad thing. But once you're comfortable talking about it and you have these conversations... It's. I don't know what the best way to say, but like the, everyone comes together, like your friends come together, yeah. and like you hear stories from different people, and like you realize how m- how much woman women want to talk about these things. It just takes like time. Yeah. And sometimes. And things- like maturity. Yeah. And being comfortable with the subjects. Yeah.
1: And it is it like and not everyone wants to talk about it, Which and is that's fine okay. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> but that but I totally get that not everyone does. But something that I think is interesting that like makes all this stuff really complicated is like just the separation of the sexual self from like your everyday self mm-hmm. or like your normal self that like we're not all like that you know, when you're at work you're not right. like talking about what you're into or like right. that that's kind of seen as this like behind closed doors part of you. Which in many ways makes sense, but it's also like it makes sense a lot of people are like, Am I normal? Mm-hmm. Or like, what what's happening for everyone else? Like and I think that like it took me a really long time to be like, No, I need to talk about this mm-hmm. with other people. If you had to this might be a hard question, but if
0: you had to say like one or two things that you've learned throughout this entire journey um in regards to sexual pleasure Mm -hmm. like what like what are some of the most significant things that you've learned in order to like make yourself comfortable or
1: I don't know Mm -hmm. a big one is definitely to trust my body Mm -hmm. like it was so interesting to me when I had my first orgasm and like how it happened because like It's not a surprise that, like, my orgasm came from indirect clitoral stimulation, because, like, direct clitoral stimulation, like, never did anything for me. Like, I always felt, like, just too intense, and, like, but I spent years trying Trying. to, like, make it happen that way, and, like, I mean, in different ways, like, um, and I think I had tried, I think I tried a lot of different things, but, like, but like it was when I finally like just went with like what my body was telling you telling yeah. me that I was able to have one. And yeah. so that's definitely a big one is trusting like, your, trust body. your body. Trust your body. Like it knows and like
0: the like that. overthink yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Another thing, um hmm. Let me think. Okay. Um, <laughs> <take> time. <laughs> um is just like unpacking shame like I think I'm still like unpacking shame um about just like being a sexual person and I think like I don't know how to like frame it as a lesson but just like no shame like no shame about like anything about your sexual side and like the sexual side of you and that's something that like I don't know it must be it just must have gotten ingrained like so early and I have no idea how but Mm -hmm. um just like no shame (laughs) and I think that once you are able to
0: eliminate the shame Mm -hmm. like you evolve in so many different ways like even when I talk about this in terms of myself or with friends it's like once you can kind of like overcome the notion that sex is a taboo topic and pleasure Mm -hmm. is taboo and pain is taboo and like you can get over that, and then you start to realize, like, wow. Like, so much can happen when you confront all of these fears.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, and, like, suddenly I feel like this is a realization that I had, like, strangely recently. But just, like, there are a lot of people out there just, like, having sex all the time and, like, feeling no shame about it. And, like, right. really enjoying it and, like, asking for what they want and, like... And I think that that was something that was I was kind of like, oh, man, like, some people are just doing it. Like, they love right. it, and it's great. And, like, and for some reason, like, sex comes with just so much shame for me, and I don't know why. But, like, that hopefully will, like, go away completely. And you're, you talk
0: about it so openly, which yeah. I feel like is a huge thing that no one, not no one, but a lot of people aren't comfortable doing. So I feel like that in itself is a really big kind of, like, accomplishment in the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the world of sexual pleasure, especially
1: for yourself. Yeah, it helps me a lot to talk about it. I yeah. think, like, it's interesting, because, like, talking about it's one thing, and then your body is another, another and right. so, like, always kind of working on that, like, mind-body connection. It's real. It is real. It's real. <laughs> yeah. Like, your mind and your body can become very mm-hmm. separated, and I mm-hmm. think, like... That's something I'm always working on is, like, not letting that happen. What are
0: your future plans for the comedy show? And, Mm -hmm. I mean, now that you do this comedy show, like, you're an advocate for these topics. So, what I don't know if you do or don't have any future plans, but Mm -hmm. what are they if you do?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I want to keep touring the show, definitely. I'm going to take it to... um, Orlando, Florida, mm-hmm. in May. Um, and then I'm doing it in New York again in July. And then I'm taking it to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in August. Um, so this year I'll definitely be touring the show a lot. Um, and then, yeah, definitely like pleasure is a topic that I'm super interested in and want to keep making more stuff about. Um, I'm actually working on a pilot script about kind of exploring these topics mm-hmm. um so like I want to explore it in like narrative form like in kind of like what's the right word yeah like in tv form yeah. <laughs> um and then yeah I mean I want to just like keep talking about it too and it's like it's been so great meeting people like you and mm-hmm. going on their podcasts Likewise. and yeah <laughs> it's becoming a huge topic
0: of conversation that i think women are realizing they all want to talk about
1: yeah yeah like and i'm i'm pro (laughs) me too (laughs)
0: um do you have any resources that or like books or shows or anything else that you really like that you think people listening could benefit from
1: yeah a book that i think is great is called have you read come as you are
0: yes i feel like i might have ordered it Online the other day, yeah, it's. I think the sex therapist that I had on the podcast a few weeks ago, like that was her recommendation.
1: Yeah, that was the
0: first book that I read
1: that I was like, oh, this. Who? What's who's the author? Emily Nagoski.
0: I ordered it the other night.
1: Yeah, she's great, and like the research in it is great, and I feel like. I'm really excited to read it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot. I feel like a lot of resources are like. Try, like, you can't come, like, try masturbating. But, like, that's not specific enough. And I feel like yeah. she really, like, gets at all the different levels of it and, like, of arousal. And, yeah. Interesting. I definitely recommend that. Okay. That will
0: be linked in the show notes for everyone to order. I'm really excited to read it. I ordered it yesterday, I think. Um, and then if people want to contact you.
1: Yes. Yeah. Do you they do so. Follow me on Instagram at molly underscore Brenner. Cool. Um, or go to my website at mollybrennercomedy.com. And if you're in
0: any of her locations touring, go to the comedy show.
1: Yes, come see I'm Coming.
0: Yeah. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much.